Welcome to another episode of Being Trans. I'm going to have a little bit of a, a talk. And it's something I kind of want to um, bring to attention. And the, Over the last few days, I've actually seen more and more concerning um, news reports and more and more... Um, more and more things that are coming to light that should not be coming to light. All around the world we see a continued push for equal marriage, for gay, for LGBT rights, while in the United States we see repeals of those rights. We see people trying to create loopholes to get around those rights. And here in Australia, we're, we just finally got equal marriage. And we've had LGBT rights for a long time. It's, they're nothing new. They were, they're based into the Anti-Discrimination Act. And, um, but here recently, since the, since the marriage was given, you have a lot of people that are, well, for the lack of a better term, butthurt. Butthurt. That the gays and lesbians and transgender, queer, whoever you are, has rights now to get married. And these people have found a new sense of, or shall I say, a a, um, renewed sense of attacks on the community. And it comes, it, it, it can be as extreme as um, Israel Falau's attack on the community, who was basically hate speech to his uh, congregation. But because it wasn't hate speech towards an individual, it didn't get charged as hate speech. But it incites hate. And this is this is something that we need to really take a look at. To um, what President Trump in America and Vice President, uh, whatever his Pence is doing, the two of them are totally dismantling the rights of the average person, and at the same time, taking a whopping big hammer to the LGBT and taking that same hammer and chopping up the transgender um, part of the LGBT. It seems like they have an special, a special hatred for that group. And it, it, it is disturbing. It is sad. Very sad. Um, that in today's society we are reverting ourselves back to the 1950s um, especially in America there's a preacher who wants to kill all those who are LGBT wants them killed he's banned in 33 countries banned in 33 countries for, for preaching his hate I never thought I'd see in my entire life so much visceral, so much hate being thrown around about a, a group of people. If it was redheads and we were throwing this much of hate around, we'd be just as concerning. We go back to 1940s when we saw the hatred of the Nazis at their highest. Um, you know, it all starts somewhere. And here recently I read a, a news article how um, Poland has got some extremely far-right um, extremely far-right politicians who are fanning the flames of hatred. And they're putting up uh, decals and windows saying no LGBT 
they won't service them they won't do anything it's a it's this whole new push and for hatred and i thought to myself and i and i posted something about it and i said very simply it all starts somewhere and the and the reason i want people to look at that that it does all start somewhere is we didn't kill six million jews um LGBT people and others um, just because it was a whim. Six million people were killed. Over six million people, I should say, because that's only the Jewish population that was killed. was six million. And when you think of it, you, you kind of go, wow, six million. But then you start looking at, that's a total city of, say, like Phoenix, Arizona, completely wiped off the map because you didn't like Phoenix. Or you didn't like Sacramento or you didn't like Seattle. You're wiping these this this culture completely out. And it was decimated. It still is decimated. They have never returned to the numbers that they once had as a religion. And it's really sad that they are doing it to um, the Palestinians. So once one, what once was the the victim of the bully has become the bully. America likes to say that it's the greatest country on earth, but when you start breaking it down for them, they really still have their blinders on, and they refuse to see how bad things are in their own borders. And even Australia, we have our problems. We have a lot of them. We have right now a government that's trying to bring in religious protections for a religion that really isn't being attacked. No one wants to attack the Catholic Church or the Protestant churches or any other churches that are out there. Wait, why would you go and get married in a church that you don't feel comfortable in? Okay, and that, that's, that's part of the issue of the LGBT community. Why would we go there? Why would we subject ourselves to that kind of torture? If you're not welcome there, why? Why even bother? But they want a law saying that they can do that and that a bakery could refuse to bake a cake. Okay, well, fine. Refuse to make a cake. You know what happened in America to the one that got that refused to make a cake? They went out of business. Even though they were allowed to do it, you know, that yeah, fine, you can go ahead, you can refuse. But they went out of business because people wanted to say, "Hey, no, I'm not going to service you. I'm not I'm not going to give you my money. You're a jerk." You're an ass. And fine, let them have these religious freedom laws. But watch how many go out of business. Even in Poland, this is this is something that I, I really want to go back to because this sorry for jumping around for a bit, but the, it just came back to my my mind's eye. Is that in Poland, the Catholic Church is still fanning the flames. Oh my god, didn't they fucking learn from World War II as they fanned the flames against the Jewish re the Jewish religion? They helped kill six million people. And if you don't believe me, go do your homework. Go do your homework really, really carefully. Look at what the Catholic religion did. Alright? They helped Hitler. Hitler didn't do it all on his own. I'll guarantee you that much. He had a fan base. And it wasn't just the Nazis. And then you look at the hate that comes from these groups, you know. How do you expect us to even want to believe in the Catholic Church when the Catholic Church wants to kill people? It does. And if you don't believe me, well, then maybe you need to take a look a little bit deeper, like I'm suggesting. Get off your ass. Start asking the questions that are <coughs> that need to be asked. 
what do we want? Another six million people dead? There is a massive problem here. One of which that we totally ignore and are unwilling to see what the truth is behind the lies. Right now in America, it, it's so dangerous and, I, and people don't get it. There was a posting on Bernie Sanders' um, um, Facebook page, and I and I simply applied, uh, simply replied and said, "Look, I left the United States a long time ago, and I won't return because I'm too scared to return. I'm a trans woman. I have no rights. I have no liberty unless I conform." Once I conform, then I will have rights, I will have health care, I will have protection under the law. But until I do that, I, I'm just nothing to them. And I had this woman reply back, and she listed all the murders. and Because I called it a hate crime that this young woman had been killed. And this woman wrote back and listed all the murders of the past two years of trans women and a, a couple other groups that were killed and she said none of these were reported as hate crimes and I went oh my god at what point do you think murder is not hate last time I checked when I went to university and I was studying a little bit of law and justice murder is certainly hateful it's not like you just go out and go, Hi, it's my birthday. Bang, bang. Happy birthday to you. You don't do that. Murder is murder. You're killing someone. It's not because you love them. It's not because you like them. You hate them. And I was shocked how this woman could see that these were not hate crimes against these women. And I just thought, oh my God, you know, here we are. We're 2019. We have surpassed so many things in this world, but we come back to the horrible, horrible hatred that existed, and it keeps rearing its head. And it's fanned on by decades of hate. That I don't really see an end to it. Because um, even the parents of today who are hate-filled are teaching their children of tomorrow to hate. And the parents of compassion and kindness are teaching our children to love. And unfortunately, it's not always equal. And I have to remind people that that when you look at what happened in the ninth, in World War II, one-third, one-third of a country's population killed another third of the population, while one-third looked on and did nothing. And we're seeing that right now. One-third, less than one-third, are, are Christian in Australia. Less than one-third are bitching so heavily against a group even smaller than they are. Even smaller. So you sit there and you wonder why they're getting listened to. Why are they getting so much light for this hatred? Well, one of it is, is because we have a prime minister who is also filled with hatred. The man is big business, right down the line. He's as dirty as they come, and he likes to use his religion as an excuse to attack other people. And then you go to America, we have the same thing there. And then you go to the UK, who just also 
elected a new prime minister. Well, didn't really elect him. He got appointed as a new prime minister. And he's just as dumb as the other two. And you've got to wonder why. Why do we keep coming back to this same problem? Why do we ignore history? It happened in Rome. It happened in Greece. It happened in Egypt. Civilizations are not designed to last forever. They aren't. They just simply aren't. Um, if we go back to the UK, it's a shadow of its former self. At one time, the UK was everywhere and so was Spain. So was France. They had half they had 90% of the globe under their thumb. And each one slowly but surely has had to be a shadow of what it once was. Just like Rome was at once. It covered most of Europe and a good portion of Africa and the Middle East. Then slowly it died off. We're seeing more and more a push away from religion because people are really getting tired of it but like the desperate grasp that it holds is they are trying every way they can and you have religious leaders in the Hillsong Church who have mansions I mean oh my god they have huge ass mansions while some of their congregation can barely scrape by to get a living or barely scrape by to put food on their table. No church is immune from this. I'll be 100% honest. I don't really think that any church is immune from it. Um, and that would include the Buddhists and everything else. I think at some point you have some people that live so high on the hog... And they willfully ignore those that are lesser, that are barely struggling to keep food on their table. I wonder how many people who are members of these churches die with empty stomachs. Pass away with no food in their bellies because it concerns me that we have gone back in time back through history and are reliving it once again Marie Antoinette lost her head a lot of French noble lost their head People go, well, what are you going to do against a police state that has tanks and and guns and, you know, and, and it's like, well, wait a second here. The French Revolution was won by the people. They didn't have all the guns. They didn't have all the cannons, but they eventually proved that the power of the people is the most important thing. And they overturned a system of government. And sadly, we still sit here today looking at what's going on in the United States. I firmly believe that it's in its death, gra uh, death rows, trying to grab a hold of anything it can to keep relevant of anything it can. It's kind of like that schoolyard bully. You know, I'll pick on more people. And people will love me for me being a bully. And that's kind of what the America is doing these days. And it's also what we're seeing in certain other countries that are picking on people like those in the LGBT community. I'll pick on these people because I have no one else to pick on. I'll pick on the people that believe in Islam. Um, I will pick on all of these people. Just so I can feel good about myself. 
but in reality, you're not looking good. You're not feeling good. You're just despicable. You're a horrible individual. And it's very concerning when you drop down and you start looking at this. And you start looking at what the LGBT movement is going through again. You know, Stonewall was a major turning point for the LGBT movement. You didn't have... You had all that hatred, yet it changed because of one event. And then you start looking at it a little bit more. You start thinking, okay, now we have gay marriage in how many countries? And how many countries are now finally starting to say, ooh, we've got to decriminalize this. This just isn't right. What we've been doing here isn't right. And then you have a small group who are the religious right who are saying, oh, no, 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 no. So we still get the hatred. We still get the, the, the blame for things that we have no control over. And I... I You know, we come back to that horrible little joke of that boy saying, let me get this right. God can see me masturbate, but can't see priests abusing children? How is that? And you think to yourself when you read that, that, hey, you know, they use their religion against us. They use it against every single one of us but we're so stupid that we keep going back to it and saying yes can I have some more abuse we don't fight it we just let it be because it's kind of like that sacred thing you know oh gosh don't don't rock the boat of the Catholics don't rock the boat of the Mormons don't rock the boat of Islam don't rock the boat of the you know the Christians oh my goodness whoa Instead of everybody just letting everybody live. In our home, we say prayer at dinner time. And I teach my kids to be thankful for everything. We don't go to church because I can't find a church that's not hypocritical. At every turn, I cannot find one. So how do I take my children to church and say, this is a good church when every time I turn around they're attacking somebody else I think it's kind of I think we've missed the point about trying to be good at church trying to find that inner peace and that connection with a, a higher power I think we've lost that and it's easy to see the extreme loss I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know what we're going to do in this world. But for God's sake, we've got to pull our heads out of our asses. We seriously have to. We have to start respecting one another or we're going to end up in such a bad place that I don't think we're going to come back from. Like I said... Where I started was about hate. Where I'm ending is still about hate. We don't need all of it. We fight every day tooth and nail to exist. At one time the Christians fought every day tooth and nail to exist. How quickly they have forgotten the truth of history. And how willfully blind they have become to what is the Bible. I'm sad to say because every time I turn around now it seems like more and more people are dying. And I'm sad to say that the United States is becoming the biggest bully ever. They start a war, they threaten a war, 
Start another war. Give me your lunch money or I'll bomb the living shit out of you. Yep. It's all just a game. And unfortunately, right now, the LGBT group in Australia is getting beat up pretty bad for no reason whatsoever. Only because people hate. This is where I'm going to leave it today. It's just kind of one of those deep thought moments. No real point? Well, there is a real point. We'll talk to you later. Bye now. Hey, thanks for tuning in to um, Being Trans. I wanted to talk a little bit. Um, sometimes people come back to or come to a podcast after it's been going for a while. Or they are brand new to the show and they don't really know the story of what's gone on in the past. So I'm going to just every so often retell a little bit of my story. Um, but probably not as much as my autobiography tells. Um, a lot of the times you'll hear in my podcast different spots that I talk about my life and what it was like growing up. But I can't really paint a horrible picture on it because there were good times too. Uh, I'm not the typical trans person. Um, if there even is a real typical trans person. Um, my childhood, like I've said in the past, has been one of, I really did win the lottery. Um, but I didn't. I won the lottery as far as I was born into a middle class family. Um, my father worked a full time job with health care benefits. I had a mom who stayed at home. We owned our own home. We had a rental home as well. And we were white. And I was born a male. Those there are the winning recipe. You roll the dice and you come up with that. That there is proof that there is a lottery to be born. Nobody is better than anybody else. Nobody gets special rewards. It is all just a dirty big crapshoot. You don't know who you're going to get. Now in saying that, alright... I don't want people thinking that I'm ungrateful for all that I was born with because by far I really wasn't ungrateful and I'm still not ungrateful. I am very blessed to be alive. Um, it could have been better. And it could have been a hell of a lot worse. I was about six years old when, as, as I put it, A plus B did not equal C. I remember it clear as day, the, the, the moment that I was in my room and hating who I actually was. And that's a, that's a lot of... That's a lot of hard things to understand when you're six years old. I remember where we were at. We were in Colorado. And I remember the night that it happened when it all started going wrong. My mom and dad had gone out for the evening and my sister Jody was in charge of us. Now, my parents going out did not happen often. 
It really did not. Um, but it was more frequent in the early years when I was younger than it did when I was older. Um, living in a military home, my dad was gone three weeks of every month. He'd come home for a week. Then he'd be gone for three weeks. That he'd come home for a week, and this was the this was the price my family paid for having all the benefits that we did. It did not mean that it was a harmonious life. It did not mean that there wasn't problems. Um, I do say at times my family put the fun in dysfunctional. For all the good my parents did. They had demons. Demons that most people today still deal with. You know, my father was an alcoholic. Um, and he smoked. And he was a typical military man. Um, sorry to those who might think that. But if you look at a lot of the stereotypical roles that exist around a military person my dad did fit into those now like I, I want to stress I really really appreciate my parents at that point in time when I turned about 10 things started getting really wonky in our family oh my gosh it got really wonky my grandfather had passed away. My grandfather was my mother's rock to sanity. And my sisters cannot objectively look at that and tell you the same thing. I can because I saw what happened on a day-to-day -day basis. My sisters are not and 11 years older than me, so they had moved out and they didn't know what was going on with me because really me is separate from them due to the age gap. And when they married off and they were gone and out of the house by the time they were 18, which left me around nine years old. Three years earlier, A plus B stopped making C. A plus B actually made something that never made any of that normal mathematics. And I stopped being able to look at myself in mirrors and look at my body parts and say, okay, I'm happy with what I have. Um, at 10 years old, it started becoming more of a problem. At 12 years old, puberty started. I was 12. And like I said, 10, my mom started to lose her grip on um, I don't want to say sanity, because she was she made a lot of very poor choices that I, as a parent, look back and go, oh my gosh, you know, why would you make that choice? But I'm a different parent than my mom was. Um, but also at the same time, I think her mental illness, which is grief, grief... <laughs> Grief plays a different part in each and every one of us, depending on how much the person we're grieving plays a significant role in our lives. You know, you you have you have that standard grieving process, you know? The anger, the the trying to bargain everything to acceptance. Well my mom didn't grieve the standard pattern my mom 
grieved for my grandfather almost every day of my life from the age of 10. She grieved to such a certain point that she made rash and poor decisions. She grieved to a certain point that other things in her life deteriorated and she'd build something new only to crumble it by her actions. And this is this is very difficult as I'm trying to at 10 years old figure out why A plus B is still not working. <laughs> we went from living in California where I kind of had a grip on what was going on, all right? I because we had moved from Colorado to Washington State and we lived there for a while then we moved back to California where my, to be around my grandfather as he was not well and then he passed away and then that was where everything fell apart for my family <laughs> and what made things worse is they chose my parents did to move to back to Washington State to a town called Ellensburg now I don't have a lot of nice things to say about Ellensburg but I do love Ellensburg because Ellensburg gave me a feel for what Americana was um, and it gave me a feel for what I had always hoped America could be <laughs> and in the early 80s that was a magical place Ellensburg was though I didn't like a lot of the people there because I had a lot of bad experiences in Ellensburg. I didn't know I was trans. <laughs> I knew I was different. I knew that it was something you didn't talk about. Because my parents, well, my dad is an amazing man when it comes to racism. If you're racist, don't be around my dad. Do not be around my dad. He will not only have a coming to Jesus meeting with you, he will also set you straight on how racism is just not acceptable around him. And I truly, truly, truly respect my dad for that. Um, because he was an amazing human when it came to defending those who were not white. There is a huge issue here that only came to light about three years ago. Only came to light about three years ago. And I think, and I think that it plays a huge part in my father's story. But my father, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. It plays a huge part in my father's story. <laughs> But going back to 12, I saw puberty not as a magical event or a fun event. I saw it as horror. I saw it as distressing, as confusing, as shameful, as anything but something that was a natural occurring event. Now, my sisters in the past used to say that my mom did not handle their puberty very well. <laughs> in fact, my mom's idea, according to my sisters, was to throw them a book about their period and say, here, read this, this will answer everything. <laughs> so you can say that my mom was not the A-plus parent. She definitely wasn't. Um... But I, I don't really have an answer why my mom was like that. And I'm not trying to shun what my mom did. In, in that, at that stages with, with children. But I will say that it could have been handled a lot better. And one of the huge issues here is that when we look at what my mother was like still going through the grieving process because remember gr there is no right or wrong about grief there's no 
there's no real set pattern that says grief has to take 14 years or 14 days or 14 seconds. Like when I lose somebody, I'll grieve them for a small period of time. If I've lost them to, to dying of natural causes. Um, simply because I just don't have that um, emotional connection that requires me to ball my eyes out every time I think about a person. Or I don't grieve as long as most people. There have been people that I have that I have revered, that have passed on, and I went, oh, okay, I miss that person. And that's it. That's all you'll hear me say about it. Um, and that's that's my total grieving process. But when it comes to my mother and my grandfather, this was someone who my mother idolized. Who put him on such a high pedestal that I don't really think my grandfather ever could have reached that. Even if he had known. And when my mom's world came crumbling down around her feet. So did her ability to treat me as a decent human being. Because the first time I told my mom that A plus B equaled C did not work was right around 12 years old. This was not the smartest move for me. This was not the smartest move for me. What this resulted in was my mother doing random bed checks throughout the night. This resulted in my mom checking my underwear. This resulted in my mom doing surprise inspections. This resulted in my mom one time going into my room and having my father rake everything into the center of the floor. And this was, you know, and then her going through my record collection and throwing out records that she deemed were evil. I remember driving down the road and I was about 13 years old. Now, mind you, I hadn't started doing some things that were questionable until about 14. Um, but I remember at 12, we'll go back. I, 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 I shouldn't say anything about 13, but I remember at 12 was also my first time of wishing to die. Um, and wanting to do it the most bizarre and screwed up way you could ever think of because I did not know any other way. I'd have to say I'm a very, very fortunate person to be alive um, because my attempts at suicide early on in my life were anything but sane. Anything but logical because I had this idea when I was 12 it was freezing cold there was a lot of snow on the ground in Ellensburg at the time and I just decided I was going to go outside get some wood for the fire without a jacket I figured I'd catch a really bad cold and it would kill me Logically thinking you can do that But the problem was is I was having so much fun running around in the middle of the night Throwing snowballs running around the backyard without a jacket on and I was running so much That It didn't cause a problem because I was expelling more energy than I was You know getting cold and when I came in, I was sweating. And, you know, I cooled down inside the warm house, not cooled down outside. And so I didn't even catch a sniffle from this um, adventure of trying to end my life. And I thought to myself at the time, oh, well, shit, I can't even do this right. 13 was 
was a continuation of the nightmares. The the room raids. Oh, it was horrible. It was a miserable time growing up. 14, I made some very poor choices. And I'll leave those poor choices as poor choices. And they compounded the issue of being trans at the same time. My poor dad, being a military man of 26 years, knew what the military was. Knew what the military meant to him. Knew that the military was always there for him as he was always there for the the military. He knew who he was. It was Master Sergeant Billy F. Robbins. chest full of medals and an honorable discharge from the United States Air Force in the 80s. A man ill-prepared for the real world. A man ill-prepared for life in Ellensburg, Washington. A man whose wife wanted to have a house built for her that was far larger than necessity. And my mom was ill prepared to take care of it. And my dad was ill prepared to exist in it. My dad also at the same time did anything that my mom wanted just to keep my mom happy. Because I think somewhere along the line, my dad feared losing my mother. I was 14 when my mom also threw a bomb into my lap. This bomb was so heavy that it scarred me every time she brought it up and she brought it up so many times that I think if my father actually knew how many times she brought it up he'd be heartbroken and I'm truly sorry for it if he finds out via my podcast stories about the truth my mom one time sat me down and said I'm thinking of divorcing your dad So I want you to start thinking about who you're going to live with. This is not something you do to a child. (laughs) This is not something that you throw onto your 14-year-old's lap. This is not something you throw onto any child's lap at any age. Yes, it's a reality, okay? Parents get divorced. Yes, it's not nice. Yes, parents don't think about their children. I mean, I'm going through a nasty divorce that's four years on. And we still have problems. But we do our... I do my best. And I hope that the other party is doing their best to not be like what my mom was. And attack the other parent I was still oh good grief I was in my 30s and my mom was still saying she was going to divorce my dad it came to a certain point that it was like well why don't you just fucking get off the pot and piss mom either do it or don't stop stop fucking talking about it in about 2016 my mom passed away um from severe health problems that cemented my belief that if you're a a hateful person that hate is a poison to your body that hate will eat away at everything that you have until it kills you now a lot of people may not understand this but thanks to my mom this is the way it is I firmly believe it because my mom died of cirrhosis of the liver and cancer in the liver. But my mom never drank. 
remember, this is like, this is the crapshoot of all ways to die. You know, how are you going to die? I'm going to die because my liver dies. Well, how about a liver transplant? No, it's, they say I can't, I'm not eligible for it. I'll give you some of my liver to help you. No, they say I'm not eligible. Oh, okay. Well, that means you've got other problems that are causing the liver problems. All right. Well, I'm not going to get into you, Mom. That's that's the way it was. But my mom, when I retold her when I was 14, that A plus B did not equal C, could not handle that still. And things stepped up worse. My dad was driving truck at the time, and my mom... My dad was coming through town um, and switching out loads. And that night she sent me with him because she did not want to deal with me. Shortly around that same time, my grandmother passed away too on my mom's side. And we had already lost my uncle. So there's only four people in my mom's family. Yes, I have a step-grandmother and I have a step-grandfather who... My step-grandfather already died before my grand... Well, yeah, a little bit before my grandfather did. But I did not know him very well. Uh, Grandpa Bob was Grandpa Bob, and I don't recall much. But my dad has a lot of good memories about Bob. And... But he... You know, but he didn't really play a big part in my mom's life. And, but, but Grandma Shirley, she did. And I think my mom also judged my grandmother and took a lot of what my grandmother's traits were like. Because that's where my mom grew up, was in that household. Until she was 18 and she married my dad. Because my dad, mom, conceived my oldest sister. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm firmly believing is not as clear cut as what you might think it is or how it happened. My mom may fantasize and say it was an accident. But I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to pause this. We're going to come back in a couple more seconds. We're going to have a little bit more of a talk about my life. Because I promise you, there is a silver lining. There really, really is. But there's a lot of ups and downs that get to this point. So I'll be right back. Thank you for listening. Remember, if you can, stop over at www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Alina Robbins. I could certainly use your assistance for as low as three dollars a month. Thank you much. <laughs>